Welcome to Strangers. I'm KCRW in Radiotopia. I'm Leah Tao. And while we gear up for our spring season premiere on January 29th, we're posting a story today from our first season with a pretty interesting update about where our storyteller is now. We'll call her Becca, and lots has happened since we first met her. So I caught up with her recently, and you'll hear about that later in the show. But first, here's Becca from almost four years ago. I'm a female in my 30s, and I'm a virgin. But in the past year, I've had my hands in more genitals than I can remember. Because I'm an esthetician, which means I do mostly waxing and facials. So I wax vaginas like several times a week, balls once a week, sometimes twice a week when it's a good week, because men pay a lot more to get their junk waxed. But I'm a virgin because I come from an Orthodox Jewish Persian family. When I was a kid, my father used to come home with bags of foreskins and we would bury them together in the backyard because he's a rabbi and uh, according to Jewish law, all body parts are sacred and need to be buried. So whenever he would do a circumcision, we would do that together in the backyard. When I was born, everyone was a bit disappointed because I was the first child and they were expecting a boy to carry on the 13 generations of rabbis that I had come from. But I was a girl, let everyone down. And then my sister came after me. She also let everyone down. And then finally, when I was about nine, my brother was born. And the whole community was so excited. It's like he was basically the firstborn. They had a huge bris for him, and a thousand people showed up. And he got so much money, which he used recently to buy a condo. Like, that's how much money he made off his little ding-ding. The only thing my vagina's ever brought in is gold coins that are for my dowry, which eventually go to my husband. From the moment I was born, my grandparents and parents started putting away money and gold. Like, it was very important just to make sure I got a good suitor and that he'd be paid handsomely to take my shame of having a vagina off their family. So I haven't embraced, really, my family and community culture of getting married to a Jewish-Persian man and having a very traditional Jewish-Persian life. But I haven't rejected it either, where I've gone out and had sex with tons of American dudes. I mean, I'm not saying that I'm a prude, but traditional sex? That hasn't happened yet. I'm kind of stuck in between these two worlds, and it's just very frustrating like physically and emotionally, and definitely hormonally. I got my period when I was 10, which was awful and horrible. My mom wasn't really like helping me out with anything or explaining anything to me. So in fact, um, when I was growing up, my mom always used the word Maddie Z for period, which means disease in Farsi. So your period was referred to as your disease every month. When Becca was 11, the family took a trip to Israel, and they spent a day at an amusement park where Becca found herself on her period and short on maxi pads. I ended up in the park's restroom, and I had no more pads, and I didn't know what to do, and my mom was outside, and just, like, Israeli women screaming, like, talk so loud, and, like, there was no toilet paper, and I was sitting there crying, 
And I asked my mom to get me a pad, and she's like, we have no more pads. So I'm like, all right, fine. Can you please, please, please give me a tampon? Please. I don't know what to do. Just please give me a tampon. And she's like, no, tampons are for bad ladies. You are never to use a tampon ever, ever, ever. So I just started crying, and I'm like, please just let me have something. And then finally my mom threw my baby brother's diaper over the stall, and, like, I caught it, and she left. So I took the diaper, and I put it on myself and then used my underwear for extra support, even though I, like, tried to tape the diaper onto my skin. And the underwear cut into the diaper, so it caused the diaper to puff up on top of the underwear and underneath. And it was completely visible through my white culottes. Like I had these like little puffs of diapers sticking out from everywhere. And you could hear it too, because this was a bunch of years ago when diapers were still made of like plasticky material. So every time I moved, you would just hear like squish, 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 squish. I felt like a three-year-old. Becca didn't start using tampons until she was 26. And she was a bit unsure how to go about it. So my best friend from college walked me through it from behind the door. She's like, okay, you do this and that. And it was like, it was kind of painful and really hard. I didn't quite get it because I was not really comfortable with my own vagina. Um, So when I finally got it, I was like, oh my God, what have I been doing since I was 10 years old? Like 16 years and I've been wasting my time with maxi bats. Like, this is amazing. But I hid them from my mom. And then my mom, who's very nosy, went through my stuff one day and she found tampons. And so she freaked out on me and decided not to talk to me for 10 months. Then finally, she asked me to go to a female Persian gynecologist to get my hymen checked out just to make herself feel better. I was going to argue with her about it, but... I was, like, happy that she was finally talking to me because even after all the craziness, I love my mom. Like, she's kind of hilarious and, like, very loving but just insane and, like, stuck with these traditional values, which I can never change in her. So I've given up on that. But I still wanted to have a relationship with her. So I said, fine, I'll go to the doctor, no problem. So I went to this Persian female gynecologist who mostly sees Persian women And I went in, and my mom tried to come into the room with me, which was so awkward. And the doctor's like, can you please get out? Like, the doctor was awesome. She was very much on my side. And when my mom left, my doctor said, look, I know you're a virgin, and it's ridiculous. You really need to go get laid. Don't worry. I'll tell your mom you're a virgin. But, like, go take care of yourself, which was really eye-opening for me to hear this from another Persian woman. And then when we got back to her office after she had done the exam, my mom kept hounding her that she wanted proof. So my doctor's like, fine. And so she took out her prescription pad and wrote, patient was checked, hymen is still intact. Which my mom was just smiling ear to ear about and like got a copy of, gave me a copy of, like, check it out, I've got a certificate, my hymen certified. In college, Becca had met other young women who were dating and having sex. And in her senior year, she did start going out and making out with guys. And as she got older, she got pretty crafty with the ways you can fool around without actually having sex. 
But since she was still technically a virgin, I wondered what had inspired her to become an esthetician who waxes genitals for a living, among other things. I was a really hairy child, and for years I had been begging my mom to let me wax my legs or my mustache. Um, she was not letting me go on the mustache thing until I was 15, because she said it would take away my innocence. High school was very difficult. But when I was 12, my mom finally, finally let me wax my legs. And it really hurt, but afterwards I felt so good about it, so I didn't care that I was going through all that pain. But it made me wonder, is there anything that doesn't suck about being a woman? And does it always involve pain? I mean, so much pain. And in fact, there's a Persian saying that goes, kill me, but make me beautiful. Hearing this, I couldn't help wondering how Becca felt about the pain she inflicts on women in the name of beauty in her own line of work. When I wax vaginas, I know it's going to hurt, like when I'm about to rip off that strip. I mean, right before you pull, you always have that thought, like, I cannot believe I'm doing this. This is crazy. But I know they're going to be so happy after, just like I was when I got waxed for the first time. It, like, makes you feel like a woman. Like, those women that you see who have no hair on their bodies and they're so smooth and how men love smooth things. But it's not just about making yourself beautiful or doing everything for other people. I feel like for ourselves, we feel better. It makes me feel pretty and feminine and wanted, which is, I mean, that's what we all want to be wanted. So I, I love it. I think it's great. And at least now men suffer for beauty too. So that makes me very happy. But waxing is super painful, like especially for men because there's just so much loose skin. I mean, when you're waxing balls, you really got to pull it tight. Like it's just endless amounts of skin. So you got to be really careful. You could rip off their skin. It's really scary. When I first started, I was super, super scared of doing that. But I got the hang of it. And now it's like I can do it in 20 minutes and I'm done. And I realized, like, men are also insecure and, like, want to be more attractive to women and, like, do all sorts of things. So in some roundabout, unorthodox way, you've kind of followed in your father's footsteps because you you take parts off of people's genitals? Um, I guess it was, it was ingrained in me since I was a little kid that for work, you work on genitals. And that's my career, even though I was raised to just become a wife and a mother. So I'm rebelling, but at the same time, I'm completely following in my own special way. And you're still very close with your family, right? Mm -hmm. I love my family. I'm very close to them. They're so funny and so warm and loving, and I'm very lucky to have that, even with my mom's craziness or the repressive culture that I'm in. Like, touching is a huge part of our family. We have a very big family, a lot of cousins, and everyone's super close. It's kind of like you got to fight for, like, getting a word in edgewise. But I love it, and, like, that's what's made me who I am. But I have learned over the years that they do not need to know anything about my life. So I am straddling these two worlds, but I think I finally found a way to have them coexist. The virginity thing, on the other hand, I'm still figuring out. I no longer keep my virginity for my parents. It's not about that, the culture. Now that's more about me and, like, I've waited so long that now I feel like I can't just go have sex with any random person. 
So I'd rather be dating someone. So if I have sex with someone, then I'll just keep having sex with that person and get it all out. Or I want to have sex like a one night stand with Louis C.K., who I love. And one of my friends actually called his friend and asked him um, if he would take my virginity. So those are basically my two options right now in losing my virginity. And both have seemed pretty hard to get to. But who knows? Who knows what will happen? Have your parents given up on you getting married? Are they still trying or what's going on? My parents are still definitely trying to get me married. And, like, one of my dates asked me what I do for fun. And I told him, like, I like going to movies and, like, hanging out with friends. And he goes, oh, I don't want my wife to have a lot of friends. I want her to stay at home with family, make my children dinner and snacks. I'm like, really? This? Okay. Okay. Well, great. So there was no point in going out with these Persian guys, but my parents were are very stuck in that old world way of dating where they get a call from somebody's mom or aunt and they're like, we have a son or a nephew. He'd be great for your daughter. And then it's always a blind date and they always end up showing to my house in a suit and I have to offer him tea and give him fruit and like peel cucumbers for him because apparently... Back in Iran, um, the way a girl peeled cucumbers showed if they were uh, spendthrift or cheap. Like, if you peel too much skin, it's like you you spend too much money. But if you peel too little skin, it means that you're cheap. So, like, everything's judged. And then, like, then you go out on the date. Have you ever thought, you know, when they do the cucumber, have you ever thought of saying, you know what, why don't I wax your balls and you can see if I take off too much or too little? <laughs> I mean, you kind of have the perfect touch for That's taking really off funny. just the right amount. <laughs> That's really funny. Like, when I'm peeling the cucumber to look at the guy while I'm peeling it and thinking, I could also just wax your balls and then you could judge on that. Um, but now I just, I refuse. I don't go out anymore. So that's where we left Becca almost four years ago. And as you can imagine, I was curious to hear what had happened since then. So a couple of weeks ago, I went back to see her. Hi, it's been Hi. so long. Hello. How are you? Uh, I'm great. A lot has happened since last time. Um, I'm working a lot, writing a lot. Finally got laid. What? Okay, so you knew that that was the number one thing I wanted to know, right? Are you still a virgin? And so? Uh, No, I am not a virgin. Yay, I did it. Well, I got it. Whatever, it happened. It was awesome and amazing. And the person who did it, I'm still with. So that's pretty amazing. He's amazing. But it's all very Romeo and Juliet because I'm Jewish. He's not Jewish. It's a whole thing. So I don't know what's going to happen. But he's wonderful. But the family, I mean, does your family even know about him? new and I don't want them to know because it would just be a nightmare. They're so religious and it would just ruin my entire relationship with my family. So it's like either I give up my family forever and never see them and also like ruin their lives because it's just a big, it would be a scandal or I give up the love of my life, which is also scandal for my heart. Yeah, I said it. Or uh, he converts to Orthodox Judaism, which is a nightmare. It is a nightmare. Plus, he's not circumcised. So that would mean he'd have to get a circumcision, which who would do that? 
I mean, yes, I've pulled every man that I know about it. And a few guys that I know who are not circumcised are like, well, if I was in love with you, I guess, yeah, I would get circumcised. And then a few other guys are like, no, there's no way I'd get circumcised. So it's a whole issue. Can I ask you this? Yeah. Do they inspect his penis? Like, would they know that he isn't circumcised? Yeah. Well, because after you learn, do all this stuff for like a year and a half or a year or two years, they take a drop of blood from the penis. And usually that's fine because most people are circumcised, but for some reason, he's not circumcised. He's, he's not circumcised, so they'd have to do an actual circumcision. So they definitely do take a look at it because it's like a blood oath kind of thing, which sounds insane, but it's so like normal to me because like I grew up with like brisses and circumcisions every like foreskins in the backyard <laughs> uh, foreskins in the backyard and all that like i personally i feel like i could do it at this point <laughs> like and i'm like all right you just kind of like put a little clampy thing on you cut around it's fine but he's squeamish about it yeah. for all the reasons you'd expect that a man to be yeah it's his penis so also he's a man men don't deal with blood ever really <laughs> unless they get hurt especially There's... not in any proximity to their penis yeah no what was weird to me is the other day I was complaining about how horrible my period is and how much pain I was in because they're horrible. My periods have gotten so much worse as I've gotten older. So I was saying how horrible it was and I was in a lot of pain and he was just kissing me and he's like, I wish I could take away your pain. I wish I could have your period for you and have the pain for you. And in my head, I'm like, so just cut your penis. But I mean, I can't say that, although he's going to hear this and then he'll know. So how long have you been together now? Um, about two years. And do you talk openly about the whole religion thing? Because, I mean, in that you're also kind of implying, like, we should get married. And sometimes when you're two years into a relationship, that's like a little bit of a touchy yeah. issue. Like, do both people want that? You know, so what's the conversation like around it? It's a lot like uh, we want to be together. The both of us want to be with each other and nobody else forever pretty much and yeah we talk about it very openly usually with a lot of humor but then it gets a little intense and then we back off a little and then we talk about it more so but we can't seem to break up I mean we love each other so much and also our lives are completely intertwined all of our friends are best friends and we're all best friends so it's it's pretty rough and how old are you now is that too indiscreet to ask maybe a little bit I don't know if I want to say my, I'm in my thirties, late thirties, late thirties. You don't think there's any chance that your family would say, look, this is our daughter and we love her and we want her to be happy and have a chance to have a family. And she's now getting on in her thirties and like, we can accept this. There is no chance in hell. I believe they would rather me die alone. I know them. I know how they'll be. So I don't think it would be like, a, oh, we love our daughter. No. At all. I've seen what happens, like people who are not as religious as my parents, when their kids have married out or married somebody who just even converted conservative, they no longer talk to their kid anymore. They don't want to see their grandkids. They don't want, like, it just doesn't even, yeah. So it's, Oh my God, this is terrible. I, I was know, just so happy, like she's found love. I know, it's, that's why it's very like, yay, but ugh, that sucks. I hate conflict. I hate it. I'd rather keep a secret 
and live my life on the side than tell them and then be miserable the rest of my life. It's like the lesser of two evils for me. Honesty is not always the best policy. It really isn't. Like love doesn't fix everything and it doesn't, it doesn't. And you're still pretty close with your family despite the secrets you have to keep from them? Super close. I'm very close with them and I love them. I'm basically still living in two different worlds, just rattling and it's like I'm on a tightrope. But I'm super happy. It's like I'm really happy right now, but then it's like this constant nagging feeling of like what's going to happen, what's going to happen. Because I am older and I do want to have kids. I mean, I froze my eggs like a year and a half ago or something and was a lot of money and my parents helped me out with it. Did you fertilize any of them with his? I did not fertilize any of them. I kind of wish I did, but I didn't. So who knows if any of them are going to make it also after like unfreezing and all that. But it does feel really good that I froze my eggs. It's like it's like a little money in the bank. No. Eggs in the bank. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> eggs in the bank. Yeah. Eggs in the bank. Better than money in the bank. And it's not against their religion to freeze the eggs? No, my parents were all for it. It was very weird also because at that point I had not had sex. Oh, really? Yeah. So I'm like, I'm freezing my eggs and I'm a virgin. So t- Technically, I could just have a, it's kind of like Jane the Virgin in the show. Like I could have just gotten inseminated right there and had a baby without having sex. Immaculate conception is now possible, not through God, but through science. It's completely possible. (laughs) It would not be a very Jewish thing though to do. So, you know, I have to ask you this way. Yeah, what? how, How was it finally having sex after waiting 30 some years? Um, painful. And it was great. I love it. Like, love it, love it, love it. And also it was perfect because we'd been talking about it for a while and all of our friends were like, just do it already. It is ridiculous. And I was like made fun of constantly. I mean, in a funny way, I was like, all right, let's do it. And he was, he was way more hesitant than I was. Cause he's just like, everyone's going to know everything. And this is such a big deal. I've never taken someone's virginity. And finally we're like, all right, we're going to do it. And he got a little in that we went to for the night and he was so nervous. It was so cute. He was so nervous that it made me less nervous. <laughs> and then he made a horrible joke when we came that was so dumb that I was like, oh my God, I love you. It was like oh. the the inn was nautical themed and we get in there and it was so cute. I was like, this is the perfect place. And he said, it looks like things are about to get nautical, nautical. And I'm like, wow, that is, he loves puns. And so I was like, that is so horrible. I love you. So it was just great. And when we finally did it, It felt kind of normal and wonderful and like super loving. And it was really like he set up music and he had a playlist and it was great. And the whole day I was thinking it would be so great if I heard the song I just had sex by Lonely Island right after I had sex. And I didn't tell him about it at all. And then right after we had sex, the song I just had sex was blaring out of the speakers. And wait, you hadn't told him? No. Like, did he push a button he to make button. it? He pushed a button. He he chose that song because he knew, because he knows me. He's my best friend. 
And his best friend is one of my best friends now. Like we're so close. And my best friend is also so close with him. And so immediately after it happened, because they were taking bets, which I don't know if he knows that they were taking bets on whether it would happen before midnight or after midnight. It happened right before midnight. So I texted them immediately just the music video for I Just Had Sex. That's it. I just sent them that. And they were like, yeah, and we got phone calls and stuff. How long had you guys been dating when you decided to go there? About uh, like six months. And I'm just really happy I did it with him. Louis C.K. would have been pretty cool, but I'm really happy it was with him. Like, I don't regret any of it, and it's all really hard, and I cry a bunch. It's so upsetting because he would fit perfectly into my family. I want to tell them about him. He's wonderful. Like, I think they would really get along. He's so cute. And it's just hard. But there's nothing I would I would do differently, really. You don't live together, do you? No, he actually wants to. And I'm like, nah. Because your parents come to your house? Yeah. And also, I was also raised in a way where, like, you don't live together, you just get married. But, I mean, I know that's weird and different for most people, but I grew up where you either commit or you don't commit. So you still, I'm still kind subscribe of a little bit? Yes, yeah. I do. I do. So I'm just like a bundle of contradictions. <laughs> Well, I hope that you find a solution, that you make it work, the two of you, somehow. I hope so, too. I'll give you an update at some point. I'll be back. Okay. I can't wait. I can't wait to see how this all turns out. Either way, it'll be a good story. There's always that kind of, whenever something bad happens in my life, I'm like, well, there's only one upside to this. That's the way I think about everything. I'm like, okay, let me just write down some notes about what just happened. So I have it for the future. Oh, the future. I'll be so curious to see what it holds for Becca. Good things, I hope. The other big development in her life is that she's left the esthetician work more or less behind. She still waxes her friends when they ask, but she'd always dreamed of being a comedian and a writer, and in the last few years she's been writing for TV shows, and she even wrote and performed a stage show with her boyfriend about her virginity and sex and the culture gap and everything those guys have been through. She just can't ever do stuff like that under her own name because her family might find out, so we've been calling her Becca, but that's not her real name. She's the first to admit that it's a funny contradiction that she'll talk about her boyfriend's penis on stage, but she won't live with him unless they're married. And many of us straddle contradictions of this sort, I think, as feminists who like to get waxed, as rebels who like to conform at times. But few of us face a divide like the one she's in, and I really hope she works it out somehow. If you have something to say or a story of your own to share, call 844-NO-STRANGER. That's 844-667-8726. Or email us at strangersradio at gmail.com. You can also join our community on Facebook, and you can find all the ways to contact us and to get involved on our website, which is storycentral.org. We also have beautiful posters and t-shirts for sale there. That's storycentral.org. Thanks as always to my co-producer, Paul Drew Smith, and to our associate producer, Laura Featherstone, huh? Thanks to KCW and the funders of the Independent Producer Project, the Annenberg Foundation, the Goldhirsch Foundation, and the Roth Family Foundation. 
thanks to Radiotopia from PRX and our funders there, the Knight Foundation, Slack, and all of you. I'm Leah Tao. Until next time, don't be strangers. Look up here, I'm in heaven. I've got scars that can't be seen. I've got drama can't be stolen. Everybody knows me now. Radio Tokyo.